Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am your host, Madderall. Today, we're going to be talking about Faction War and uh, also the Alliance Tournament. And of course, we have to talk about this week's theme for CCP, GM Week, uh, which stands for Game Master. So we have Game Master um, Spider with us, although his name might be changing. And uh, let me go around and introduce everybody that's uh, going to be with us today. And we'll start with Apothne. How's it going, Apothne? Hey, dude. What's up? Good to see you again after the Alliance tournament. Yeah, it was a really fun tournament this year. All right. Well, we'll talk about results and what it was like to be a part of that uh, since you were, you're intimately aware of all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Maybe that's not the best phrasing uh, at the Alliance tournament. All right. We also want to talk about Faction War. And so from Templis Calcif, we have Safio. It's Safoy or Saf is fine. I think Safoy sounds better. <laughs> so it wouldn't be talking in stations if I didn't butcher a name. You're saying you cut name drop? <laughs> anyway, it's nice to meet you, Safoy. Uh, can you describe uh, for the audience who, who you are? Sure. I am the current executor for Templus Calcif, and I also flew on the AT team. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, and we also have from... Uh, Kaldari, former Kaldari faction warrior, uh, Corvus Onzo from uh, Mjolnir Block. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. How bad did I destroy the Block's name? Uh, no, it's fine. It's acceptable. Tell us who you are, too. So I am one of the leadership of uh, the Mjolnir Block, uh, FC, and Minister of Propaganda. Oh, that should be fun. And from the CSM uh, and also LOSEC, uh, we have Setonia, who also knows about Faction War. How are you doing, Setonia? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Tell us the name of your uh, corporation again or alliance. It's uh, Aggressive Feeding, and the alliance is called the Felines of the Egg of the Lisa, which is a terrible name. <laughs> what does that, uh, is that an inside joke or something? What is that? It is kind of, yeah. There was a guy who got permabanned for giving us death threats in Russian. And if you use Google Translate on one of the lines, it comes out as you, the felines of the egg of the Lisa. <laughs> That's wild. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys for showing up and making time to talk to Eve listeners. Uh, let's actually get started with um, uh, Faction Warfare, because there's been a lot going on there. Uh, so why don't we, either one of you guys, uh, Safoy or Corvus, why don't you tell us what's going on in Faction Warfare? After you, Saf. Um, I think the best way to say it is that there's not a whole lot going on. The system has flipped, the entire war zone has flipped mostly towards Galente again, and not wanting to participate in the long grind of attrition, of attrition warfare, a lot of us have decided to look to other pastures and move on. So that's what we've been hearing. Kaldari militia, uh, one of four militias. Uh, Kaldari is always fighting Galente, which is a bigger militia. And so Kaldari is basically the, I would say, the biggest and best fighters of the Kaldari militia are taken off. That's what it sounds like. Two of its largest uh, organized groups, yes. Well, like, frame up for uh, somebody who's not involved with faction war. What does that actually mean for Kaldari? So if you sign up in a for a militia, you 
jump into an NPC corporation generally, the NPC militia. If you want to really get more involved and help contribute, you generally join up with one of the other, with a player corp or a player alliance that's in the war zone, either PVPing or working actively towards the war zone control mechanics. Hmm. Well, they're obviously going to miss you guys, but they were, uh, what was the state of faction war as far as Kaldari before you guys decided to leave? Besides it being boring, what was the actual, I mean, were Galente winning or something? Uh, so towards the start of the summer, we were in T5, tier five, which means that we controlled and upgraded most of the war zone. And when the Galente returned and made a push, we didn't really, uh, we weren't as organized as possible. And a lot of these systems that flipped were due to farming, which is another big issue with faction warfare still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corvus, maybe you want to talk a bit? Yeah, so maybe. Uh, so what it was is um, when Galmil left the war zone to go into Null, they did a quite, they became quite attractive to uh, players who weren't, seeking that faction warfare mechanics or weren't seeking those that living in low second fighting in faction warfare and I think the movement of our alliances I don't know uh, if Saf wants to sort of uh, expand on it but definitely for block it was a case of we looked at Galmil and the friends and the blues that they had got and were coming back to Losec with, uh, combined with a tiredness for Plex mechanics and tiredness of spinning buttons all day and not getting much content in the way of fleet-on-fleet fights. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, you're also familiar with Losec and uh, Faction War, right? And the mechanics and stuff? Uh, yeah. What, um, what have you been seeing there? Well, I mean, the the Amara and Mimitar war zone has pretty much been the same story, and the Amara and Mimitar war zone has been a lot worse than the Kadari and Galanti war zone historically. Uh, unfortunately, what happened uh, in the Amara Mimitar war zone is we actually had some really good fights between sort of February and early May, but when the uh, Kaldari hit tier five, what uh, what happened is a lot of the it was thirty five systems versus thirty five systems. With uh, we ha- captured a few key systems from Mimitar, like we had Dell and a few others, but uh, Mimitar were holding on to uh, Arzad, which is a really key system in terms of role play, especially for Ushra Khan, which is by far the largest alliance in factional warfare in that war zone. Uh, so it was really fun because it, it it was like dead even. And when Kodari hit tier five, what happens is all of their farmers came over to our war zone. <laughs> because uh, if you're if you if you're in a militia if you're in Kadari militia you can still capture plexes in the Amar and Mimitar war zone and you get loyalty points for Kadari and it's at your tier as well and because Black Cries is uh, a lot more active there's a lot more PVP there it's harder for farmers to exist there and also because uh, there just isn't that many systems to offensively plex and the few systems that Galanti had you know obviously because they only have like four or five systems at that point. A lot of fighting is concentrated in those systems, so they're not ideal for farmers. So a lot of their farmers came over to our system, and that pushed Mimitar into Tier 1 because they basically just drained all of their iHubs to zero. And then uh, because the Mimitar militia is 90% farmers, I think it's probably the most bloated militia in terms of farming. They they all just upped and left, and then the Amar just steamrolled to Tier 4, Tier 5, and then a lot of the Amar PvPers got bored, kind of a similar situation to the, you know, the Kadari when the Galanti left to Norsec. 
And uh, so a lot of the Amar militia groups just left and then Mimitar just uh, came back and started taking everything and I was tier five again and it's just farmed to fuck. So if I'm understanding that right, it's like everybody's on the same boat instead of half on one side, half on the other. Uh, as soon as conditions become a certain way, uh, everybody moves to the same side of the boat. Uh, that, that's not specifically true. There definitely are people who do that kind of win trading and flip sides to farm, especially mission runners specifically do that. But I, I think it's just more uh, what happens is uh, when you don't have equal sides or constant fighting on both sides, uh, the, the side that's winning, basically the only thing they can do really is uh, run missions or uh, just not do anything. And then that, that side basically just dwindles downing activity and then the other side just makes an easy comeback if there's any desire for them to push see Suetonia touched on the core problem with faction warfare is it's not about skill of pvp pilots and it's not about the the doctrines it's about who has the farmers on their side and that's what sways the wars and that is the problem with faction warfare is it's now who has the most farmers who makes the more money that's it they win wasn't faction warfare supposed to be like the dream? Uh, when it first came out, it seemed like, oh, it's finally CCP endorsed PvP. Whereas before, there wasn't anything, I mean, besides all of Nullsec and fight if you will fight or make peace if you will make peace, there wasn't anything like that was endorsed uh, that you could get behind. So if I didn't want to get behind a player organization, it was hard to PvP. But then here comes faction warfare, and it's like, okay, so now we are sanctioning faction warfare in these areas with these mechanics. Uh, so if you want to participate by yourself with a group that you don't know, you can do that through Faction War. Uh, but it seems like over the years, it's been suffering from one break after another uh, or, you know, miscalculation on the mechanics. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Citadel's by far broke, uh, broke Faction Warfare, um, mainly because what is the point of taking systems uh, to stop people docking in NPC stations if you can just put a fort down or an Astra house down and live there anyway. That's one of the, that's the most recent change that I get. And the most recent is two years ago, which is kind of funny, but that's the one that uh, has had people concerned about faction war. There was stuff before that though, before Citadels were ever around. With the farmer problem you're describing, it sounds like the way to take systems is just whoever can push the most pilots to be farming 24 seven. Is, is that, accurate yeah and also uh, a big problem with faction warfare in my opinion is uh, all of the plexes are worth exactly the same so capturing a novice plex uh, contests the system as much as capturing a large plex and capturing a novice plex also takes half the time as a large plex as well and obviously a novice plex can easily be done with uh, an alpha character from day one like you can literally just make an amar character on your character slot log it in, use the 250k SP from the buddy invite, and that can easily run the novice plexes, and you can do it with a half a million isk fit. And if you capture a, a novice plex, it, you generally get about six to seven mil. And if you run, you can run about four or five of them in an hour. So you can make like 40, mi 40 million isk approximately, maybe a bit less than that in an hour on a just completely brand new account, new character, that, that, assuming you don't get attacked anyway. And that's one of the reasons why the war zone gets pushed so hard. So is it an issue that despite the activity of the farmers being there, and obviously we want people playing the game, 
it's the it doesn't have to be coordinated. You could just go out on your own and that means that a ton of people can just do it and then not kind of really be involved in any other way. And that kind of throws things because if the farmers aren't tied to the other warfare politics, then obviously they're just all going to switch the side that's winning. Oh, I actually like the fact that you can just go out solo and do your own thing. I just think the CCP needs to balance the victory points rewarded for the different plex sizes so that the, there's you can do more as a big group rather than having like systems decided because you know some guy in a punisher just wasn't attacked for three hours to be fair the when we when carol uh Kaldari militia reached tier five probably up until from t tier one to tier three was probably a a organized push by the coalition by Te block templis hakon and the pvp alliances in that militia but then t4 and t5 was achieved because the farmers saw that we were going up in tier they all switched over to Kaldari Militia, and then obviously that farming took over and pushed us all the way to the top. Yeah, it was like that with uh, with the Amar Militia as well. Is that is the Amar Militia, the Amar versus Minmatar? Uh, is that is that having the same troubles? I guess are they all over widespread, or is it particularly bad because uh, some of the major trading happens in Kaldari space? Oh no, it's uh, it's actually worse in the Amar militia. Uh, sorry, the Mar and uh, Mimitar wars um, because of the geography of the region. It's significantly easier to farm missions in the Amar and Mimitar war zone, which which means that there's a ton more farmers, and also because we have uh, a lot less systems as well than uh, Black Rise. We only have seventy systems. I think I'm not sure about the exact number. I think is it one one four or something like that. Um, I'm sure the Tempest guy knows, but. Uh, it's much easier to just flip go, pretty fast. Sorry, you said it was too easy to do what? Uh, because we because we have a lot less systems than Black Rise, then it, it flips a lot faster. If you know what I mean, like if one side gains momentum and suddenly you get thirty systems, that's like okay, now you're in tier three instantly. Instead of like in Black Rise, where thirty systems isn't as as crucial. Yeah, uh, for Sov uh, players, it's like uh, having few moons in a system. In the old days, you could flip it rather easily if you could. Uh, take it uh, so it flips faster than a system that had 20 30 moons in it that's funny translating uh faction war to nullsec is is a thing now i guess it's uh, a lot of what we've been seeing uh since both sides of the kaldar and guante uh moshe had ventured out into nullsec we did bring some of those tactics back and it has contributed to the detriment especially the large-scale bluing that had been happening on the Galente side. Yeah, describe that large-scale bluing on, on Galente side. What do you mean by that? So the Galente militia has notably been blue with snuffbox. Or I shouldn't say the whole militia, but key members of the militia have been blue with snuffbox uh, for several years at this point. And it has been very difficult to do some larger-scale operations like even up to the point of capital fights, just because the Galente can more freely drop their capital ships without any fear of somebody's capital umbrella dropping on them. Whereas we have to be very careful and plan our operations carefully and our time zones to ensure that we don't have to worry about uh, Snuff deciding to randomly drop seven Titans on a structure fight. Yeah, a bit more than you can handle, I suppose. Yeah, a little bit more. 
Do you have diplomats that could call in an enemy of snuff like Horde or something? We generally choose to only uh, call in allies when key structures of ours are being attacked. We don't use them offensively for the most part. Mm. And at that, we haven't blued with them per se. We still go out and we still fight with these groups. But when key objectives are on the line, we'll, you know, talk to our friends who we've been fighting and they'll offer or we'll ask for them to come down and help us out. So, uh, so what I'm getting is that faction warfare has some mechanical problems that have caused imbalances, uh, and you guys are really not up for it anymore. And so you're taking off to do something else. Yeah. So we dabbled a little bit in NullSec towards the start of the year and, um, right around when they flipped to faction Fortisars. And uh, after that, we sort of came back to the war zone, did some fighting. Nobody really was that interested, at least in my organization, in maintaining the war zone control. So when the when we finished up the alliance tournament, we started talking about what we were going to do next for the rest of the year, and it seemed like a better idea to try and find some greener pastures somewhere else. Do you know what the greener pastures are yet? We've been looking at pieces of NPC Nullsec, and we're setting up to fight in the Great Wildlands, I believe. Oh, okay. So, Tony, I think I cut you off. Did you want to say something? Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say that this is kind of why uh, the Citadel thing is a problem in FW, is because of the sort of coalitions on either side and the third-party stuff. Is that it's, it's not only do you have to not only do you have to like kill a citadel to remove a group, and citadels are generally a lot harder to remove than what typical uh, factional warfare corps are used to, but also because you have all these uh, like third parties that are interested in joining in these structure fights, this is normally why not a lot of these structures are dying in factional warfare space. They're not dying there. That's interesting. Well, and these well, are just, we're talking. F- Astro houses and Fortizars, right? Nobody's dropped a Keepstar in Faction War space, right? Oh, there have been a bunch, actually. The Kanaka mm-hmm. one was a Freeport, and that's in our war zone. And that got blown up a couple weeks ago. And then Onenin was close, but I'm not sure if that's actually a war zone system. Well, and that one will go away, too. Um, are there other ones, or are those just the only two? Uh, There's one in Amamaki that's Panfam related, but it's not really open to the public. And there was one dropped in Augur, I think, by No Handlebars, but it was destroyed. Oh yeah, the Amamaki, that would be in the southern uh, Minmatar Amar space. Uh, the faction, faction police keepster. Is that? <laughs> yeah, Blue Melon's keepster. Is, I think is, as well. Uh, does he use it just to run mission uh, level 5 missions there in that area? No, it's just kind of the uh, spiritual home and where they fly all their 80 ships and plexes. And that pocket there? Like, if you haven't looked at the map, you should see where Amamaki is. And there's it's in a system of low sec uh, between, is it Hamitar or no, it's Metropolis and Sinkly Zone. It's and, uh, Hamitar. Is it Hamitar? Okay, yeah. Super yeah. dangerous area. Yeah, Amamaki is only three jumps from Renz, nine jumps from Amar, and I think eight jumps from Dedixie. So it's like really centrally located between sort of the three major trade hubs in Eve. But it's not freeported. It's or it's not open to the public. It's uh, it's an exclusive like 
castle of some count, right? The Count of Blue Melon. Well, I mean, uh, aggressive feeding uh, my corporation <laughs> lives it, in there. But so you can that get might in. be okay. Yeah, uh, and right. it's it's been used as well uh, by the Amar militia and a few other groups uh, as well as a, a staging point. So I mean, it's not open. It's not Freeport per se, but I mean, it has been used to affect the war zone. So there is a guest list. There is a guest list, yes, and there is a, like a more. It's more of a temporary guest list as well. If we're just working with a group, we just give them access temporarily to drop on people because it's it's just a convenient place to tie and bridge from. Oh, we should talk to Blue Melon and see if he's interested in making it public, uh, so people can come and go. It's really near a lot of systems there, but also I think the Basgrin Basgarin Keep Star is not that far from there either. I'm, I'm sure that's within like four or five jumps. And that's an open port. Uh, all right. Well, Faction War, I think this is going to come up at CSM, uh, right, Suetonia? Since you're on CSM and this is something that you know about? I'm not sure if I can talk about the summit, uh, the the list of sessions that we have yet. Um, I, I just want to be careful that I'm not going to get shouted up by CCP Falcon. But yeah, I'm definitely going to be talking about it at the summit. I don't have to be careful. But my understand so I can say more in that my understanding is, and this is not based on inside information, but um, is that a faction warfare fix is a huge project, and CCP only take on huge projects when they are ready to devote the next however many months and years to it, and like obviously they're still you know more structures coming out. So like even though it's a place that definitely needs some love, CCP to my understanding have been putting it off this far because. It is such a huge undertaking. And when they do do it, they want to do it in a big way. Yeah, the, the, something that's been discussed with uh, CCP for a while now, though, it, you know, like with the jump fatigue changes in February, sometimes just having a quick fix is a lot more preferable than waiting 10 months for them to come up with the perfect solution. And there are a lot of uh, quality of life things I think they can address in faction warfare space that wouldn't take up too much time, such as uh, like suspect getting suspect if you activate a faction warfare plex uh, just small kind of tweaks like that which will just generally help it they can maybe tweak some victory point values uh, that probably wouldn't take up too much development uh, development time either uh, that's why i've been like kind of compilating a list over the past month or so of uh, fixes and i'm tr trying to categorize them into how impactful they are and how difficult it would probably be for ccp to change anything and i'm hoping to present that in the at the summit next week well that's what i was getting at so you'll be bringing it up at the summit that's good uh and faction war uh i guess was it corvus that's moving to uh npc space or was that safoy uh that's Templus that's going to be Templus moving to the npc okay. no so Safoy and Templus will be moving there. And what's Corvus going to be doing with the block? So the block as an alliance has been moved to a holding corp. So the block as an alliance will remain in, fac in faction warfare in Caldari space. There just won't be any corporations in it. The corporations and pilots have moved over to join Shadow Cartel over in Hematar. Oh, interesting. Are you guys US or EU time zone? Uh, predominantly EU, but uh, we do have quite a good... Uh, U.S. time zone as well. In Shadow Cartel or both or inside of the block? Uh, inside of the block. So we, yeah. we joined Shadow Cartel because we have a lot of uh, ex-corp members and corporations in there, uh, as well as a lot of friends in there. 
because Shadow Cartel recently lost one of their time zones. I think it was the EU time zone, wasn't it? Or the US time zone? Uh, US, US time zone. Um, so we're hopefully we're going to bolster their EU time zone and also uh, add some add some US in for the mix as well. Well, this means the Shadow Cartel is going to be pretty good in uh, European time zone, but the US time zone, they'll need to build up, it sounds like. Yeah, um, our whole movement from the war zone is, is to rebuild ourselves. Uh, obviously, that will come hand in hand with adding to what Shadow Cartel already has. Yeah. And Shadow Cartel actually, along with the Kanaka Keepstar, had a Keepstar destroyed uh, recently. Those were two of the low set Keepstars that were destroyed recently. Yes, they did. But I, uh, I don't think they, uh, they feel the loss that much. Um, as the Fortazor they put down to replace it was called All Hell, the new Keepstar. So I don't think the loss is felt. <laughs> they didn't care. Well, I think the low sec uh, culture is not, is it um, super cap? Uh, I don't know, ready? Does it have super caps to kind of escalate up to? Or do they kind of stop at capital ships and dreadnoughts and stuff like that? So, um, oh, go ahead, Corvus. Um, yes, we we do have the ability to go for uh, to deploy super caps and capital ships, but um, they're more sparsely used in low sec, particularly in faction warfare, um, due to the cost of them, and they're usually not deployed until it's like an obsec sort of stra uh, strategy op that needs to be completed. Yeah, I imagine it's a lot riskier being. Uh super cap pilot in any of these low sec groups because you can more quickly be overwhelmed uh, by other people's fleets i think it was also to do with the the politics way of it obviously we had uh that is block templates and hakon had their had the coalition so obviously if any super caps or capital ships would come into low sec uh a ping would go out and i'm pretty sure that galante militia would have the same sort of uh, deal on their side with fed up uh wangs and uh, black fox having the same sort of network as well yeah uh, something worth getting in on as far as killboard uh, so if something big shows up that everybody gets called and it uh, can quickly get overwhelmed if you if you use it that's too yeah. bad well good luck there in mpc space uh and uh so but the block is staying in Kaldari. you're just trying to reconstitute and then maybe will you come back Corvus? So, so the block is remaining in name only. So the Molnair block and its sister corporations have joined Shadow Cartel. Um, we are on the long game on this one, and we are looking at maybe coming back to the war zone when it eventually gets fixed. But uh, for now, uh, we're keeping the cards pretty close to our chest. So no announcement on future plans beyond uh, joining Shadow Cartel and uh, having some more fun. You know, that's too bad because if I think about it, Kaldari were the uh, first ones to win Faction War, right? Or maybe that's like, you know, that was a long time ago. Because uh, for those that don't know, Faction War was like 2008, I believe. And when that came out, they released a book um, and a series of announcements during downtime that talked about the beginning of a Faction War. And in the book, you have all the subterfuge and intrigue that cause these empires to actually come into conflict with one another. And it was, uh, and all the characters that were in the book were actually in the game and they were still participating in uh, what would be, 
I don't know, like not lower events, but they were, the story was still going. So if you read the book and you were playing the game, you can kind of follow all the events that were happening. And uh, I think it was Tybus Heth or Tybus Heth or whatever was the first commander or the, the leader of Kaldari um, who totally resented the Galente uh, uh, group. And it was, uh, I was really sad to see him kind of win faction war. And they won that, I think in like 2010 or 2009. Or maybe sooner. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's changed. Obviously, when when Block and Templis were there, um, and a bit slightly before Gamil decided to blow up most of Snuff and um, every other pirate organization, we uh, there was a sort of faction warfare was more about not conquering the entire system, but getting good fights and uh, going after certain systems for bragging rights, pretty much. I think that was so long ago. That was when I was actually in Faction Warfare Space. Yeah, <laughs> it was long ago. Uh, so I, the I remember yeah. the the first times that Garmel and Snuff started getting really, really close, and it was during that time where there was kind of this golden age of T1 Cruiser brawls that lasted for a couple of years after the initial T1 Cruiser rebalance that was so awesome. But then T1 Cruisers started turning into Navy Cruisers, started turning into Hacks, started turning into Tech 3 Cruisers, and then Capitals got involved to the point where it was Snuff couldn't just drop Absolutions on people or uh, Shadow Cartel with their 100 and then Tengu's on T1 Cruiser Gangs. Like, they're fighting back, and then the natural case of bluing and coalitions and bat phoning and uh, all that kind of stuff really took off. Like, I remember Galmel and Kalmil used to kind of, like, both ask me, okay, are Waffles coming to this fight? If so, whose side are you going to be on? And I would always kind of just, like, play that to my advantage. If if a new player was coming into EVE Online... Uh, Faction warfare would that be still be a good place to go? I mean, we talked about how the um, new player experience was kind of feeding, or the alpha changes uh, were kind of feeding people into faction warfare. So, as a new player, is it still fun a fun place to start? I think so. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a good place to go if you want to get action straight straight away uh, because of the nature of faction warfare. Most most of the fights are actually in frigates and tech one destroyers most of the time, at least in the MR and Mimitar Warzone. I'm not sure if it's different in Kadar and Galanti Warzone. So you can be useful uh, in a few days, even if you train for something like a Griffin or a Blackbird. And most most destroyers and frigates that are useful, we probably don't take more than a month or so to get reasonably decent at. And uh, like I like I mentioned earlier, with the with the farming part, is that you can make a. I think faction warfare space is probably the best isk you can make outside of uh, like really niche uh, things like gas mining and wormhole space or like nullsec exploration. I guess that nullsec exploration isn't super niche, but I mean FW is more reliable. I would say uh, since you can just pretty much make like 30 to 40 million isk an hour uh, pretty d easily in FW in a frigate. It's also good for those that want to learn how to PvP. They can use the complex mechanics to control the size of the ships that they can engage with. Oh, how do they do that? So we have various size complexes that pop up in the war zone. Novice, small, medium, large. And each of them have all but the large has an acceleration gate on the outside. The novices only allow a T1 or faction frigate to slide in. 
Smalls are Tech 2 destroyers and down, not including tactical destroyers. Mediums are for cruisers and tactical destroyers. And then larges don't have an acceleration gate. So you can go into one of these complexes, like a novice in your rifter, and you can set up inside, and you can use your D-scan to see who's outside and see if you're about to get blobbed by 15 people, or if there's just one guy out there who's going to come in and try and give you a good fight. So it's good for new players. Uh, I imagine it's good for people who want to get back into PvP shape that are coming back to the game after it's changed so much. Yeah, one thing I would, I would point out, though, for, for new pilots, it's it's depending on the group you join. Um, like Dolsec, there are certain groups that uh, might endeavor to, how do we say, uh, take advantage of new players. Um, I said, I'm sure Saf probably knows who I'm talking about, but there are certain groups that will sort of overcharge for ships uh, on, their, on their sort of giving the ships out to their new players and stuff like that. So it's all dependent on what group you join uh, and how uh, that group implements their new new pilot sort of training programs. So that's the trick about EVE Online, though. You're joining this a lot of players, a lot of different organizations. How do you find good organizations? I think the best pl- thing to do probably would be to just join the militia as a solo pilot. And then uh, if you use the fleet finder, there's normally a few like militia fleets up and then just join one of those militia fleets and you can experience a fleet, and if you like the FC, maybe just convert him and, you know, maybe join his corporation. Normally, there's a lot of uh, recruitment uh, stuff being posted into the militia chat itself as well. So normally, I mean, I, I'll just say join as, join as the NPC, maybe try it out, and then j- join a few fleets that you should be able to join, and then just, you know, join a group that you have fun flying with in, in those fleets. Yeah, this is something I've always wanted to try. I did, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's um, I think when you're uh, browsing Faction Warfare and you're interested in joining, uh, be aware that it pulls you out of, I mean, it drops you right in. And all of a sudden you're like up for grabs. Uh, you know, you're, you're able to be shot without uh, being having the protection of a Concord right away. So it is like a, it's a little bit of a cliff. You can't kind of tiptoe in. You, you kind of jump in uh, when you sign the recruitment papers i guess like any military well what what we do tend to find as well is it's often people who get killed so for instance when the block was uh would fly around as solo pvpers um we would run into new people in the militia uh obviously have a fight that new person will probably explode uh but then the conversation that followed and obviously we'd give them isk back for their loss, explain what they did wrong, etc. That sort of conversation then also leads them to into looking more into your organization and looking at, you know, who are these guys, how do they fly, etc. And that's that's pretty much how well some of the recruitment was done through that that way as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I think that's uh, that brings us up to speed on faction warfare. Is there anything else that we should look for in the future for out of faction warfare? On the political scale, rather than the mechanical or CSM scale. I mean, the uh, the Amar Mimitol Warzone might be interesting relatively soon, uh, mostly because uh, Shadow Cartel has moved into uh, the Amar Militia Warzone and they're getting really big. And maybe not so much for the FW side, but I think for the kind of 
like capital fights in low sec. I think there's going to be a lot of action here pretty soon because we've got Siege Green, which is uh, another sort of really powerful capital group that lives in Sicid, which is next door to Shadow Cartel. You also have no handlebars. I believe they also live in Orga with Shadow Cartel as well. You also still have some uh, Amamaki uh, police, like uh, Panfam guys in Amamaki, who are also kind of doing uh, cool stuff. And I believe Snuffed Out is also maybe coming back to the uh, Amar Mimtar war zone. So there could be a lot of action here. It might actually heat up uh, in the in the south there. Well, the um, it says uh, from Noisy Gamer, who is actually a Minmatar sim- sympathizer, uh, he says there are only four Amara systems now. So it looks like uh, Minmatar are cleaning up that faction war fight these days. But they had two uh, three days ago. So, I mean, oh. Amara kind of coming back a bit. I think a lot of the PvPers are waking up again because uh, a lot of the Amara PvPers kind of got bored and left, especially my corp because I was really busy during the Alliance tournament. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look for action there. And where would that action be? What kinds of systems are we talking? Well, I'd say the in the Amara Mimitar uh, war zone, at least the most active systems, especially if you want to get a fight really quickly, uh, it might not be a good fight, is uh, sort of Camela Huola area and then down towards Amamaki. That sort of belt of five or six systems is normally uh, really, really active. Uh, because it's that section that's in between the three major trade hubs that I talked about, but it's between the Dixie MR and Rens of, of about six to seven jumps each, with Rens being a bit closer. And again, you have Shadow Cartel and No Hanobars living in Orga, so you can generally get a, a fire quickly there. Also, Siege Green live in Secede, which is right next door, which is one jump away. Then Amamaki as well has the Amapd guys. There's also a lot of pirates and uh, like a Mar. PVPers that live in Camella, and then you also have a, a Mimitar FW group called Schnecht, which also give really good fights who live in Lamar, which is one jump away from Camella. So anywhere in that area really is uh, super active. Yeah. I would like to see Rens make a comeback as a trade hub. I kind of miss saying it. Uh, yeah, CCB kind of killed it when they let you put Citadels in heck instead of Rens. <laughs> All right, uh, all the uh, the byproducts of citadels, like the things that we didn't think they would affect. Well, actually, I think they were warned faction warfare was going to be in trouble with these citadels. But what can I do? All right, guys, thanks for bringing us up to speed on uh, faction war, especially the Kaldari uh, militia and what's up with them as uh, groups leave them to pursue greener pastures. We'll see how uh, how that affects the the teams up there. And I still want to play it. I actually am still very curious about Faction War. It's one of the one of the parts of the game that I never played uh, in a, in a except in a pedestrian way. And that seems like it's always been calling me, but I've just never had time to to go and throw myself into it. Maybe now that it's quiet up there, I'll join Keldari. I was going to say, who would you join? <laughs> well, I, originally, 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 because of the book and my sympathies, I would have joined Galente because they were just the ones I, you know, the lifestyle I believed in most. But Dash Drothy would come to your house and murder you if you did anything else as well. <laughs> yeah. You're in there, aren't you, Apotheny? Uh, not at the moment. No? All right. I, I thought you had a character in there. Yeah, I would have joined Galente, but now I would, I, all my. All my Eve experience has made all the empires all equal in my eyes. Uh, okay, so speaking of the 
Empires, uh, one of the oldest trade hubs. We're going to transition here to uh, talk with GM Spider, who we have today. But I'll introduce it by saying that one of the oldest trade hubs that existed before Gita was around was Ulai, which was the center of New Eden, basically. Not geographically, but politically and historically and with lore and stuff like that. That was like the capital of the entire place. And that is where GMs decided to... uh, uh, basically take some uh, illegal botters and transport them magically into that system so that the high sec could just destroy their super capitals and capital ships. And it was a, it was a lot of fun for people who are participating. Um, but let's bring in GM Spider. How are you doing? Doing good, my man. How about you guys? We're all good, man. Thanks for sticking around. We love the studio back there. That is CCP's 07 studio. Yeah. It's awesome. a really cool place. I love having, uh, having any excuse to be in here. <laughs> it's a nice backdrop. Beats a you know a den or a TV room. Yeah. Uh, what um what do you got going on? What is this week all about? Um. Wow. Uh, this basically just started as this discussion that we wanted to um kind of just bring attention to the GMs. Uh, kind of give them a little blip on the map, kind of deal. Um. And just show what we do uh, more than just ticket work and so on. We just wanted to uh, like make our presence known within the uh, community, and uh, that was achieved through various activities and uh, fun times. Yeah, uh, you seem to be mixing some discipline with fun activities, like the war on know, bots. It's, it's a bit of both. Um, the whole Uli events actually kind of just happened. Uh, after it is, it's been one of those things that we've uh, joked about doing for a while. We've like wanted to try it out, see what the, uh, you know, how the players would uh, respond to it, and mm-hmm. uh, basically through the uh, event itself or the GM week, uh, we kind of saw an opportunity just to try it out, and see what would happen. And as people know, it's uh, <laughs> exceeded all expectations that uh, we had for it. At least, I mean, we were absolutely just losing it we were so excited over it and uh you know the players were really uh liking it so it was a a good indication of uh you know whether we should do it again so you're you're liking what you're seeing then as far as participation oh yeah sure uh it's uh always good to see the players kind of just like embrace this and just like oh you know we'll just help you kill these uh ships and uh you know we, we were having issues finding people to move in because they just died so quickly well, the uh, again, the, it is a, when I said it was part discipline. It's because they're taking botters, which is illegal, from Nullsec. So they're out there in their in their obscurity, and they feel safe. Uh, but when they get caught, they get magically transported to a system with a bunch of wolves ready to eat them. Uh, so it's kind of funny to to see that kind of punishment because it it gives content to players who are, you know, in high sec and want to participate in these games. At the same time, it's solving a security problem with uh, with people cheating, uh, getting getting nuked yeah definitely it's um i mean it's kind of a mixed thing but it's like that you we are only moving in guys that you know we are 100 percent certain are uh you know violating our policies and you know just will not be back in the game um there is no mistake about that um but it also gives you know like some players are you know they've never seen these ships before and all of a sudden, oh, yeah. sudden they're in, you know engaged in like a you know what was it 300 people in system you know trying to get on the uh, kill reports it's uh it but it's like you know we, it was not just these eight guys that we decided to ban um 
you know, there there is always more happening behind the scenes. We just wanted to uh, give a bit of a spectacle, so to speak, for the players and uh, create a bit of an event out of it. Well, you bring up a really good point. A lot of players haven't seen these ships before. Uh, and so it's a big thrill for them, not only to see them, but to, to be in a group of hundreds of people, fleets, fleet sizes they haven't ever seen before and participate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, something we take for granted in NullSec. Well, what, what's, uh, so this is a whole week, um, and have you been doing something every day? Yeah, uh, we kicked this off on Monday. Uh, we've been doing scavenger hunts all around uh, New Eden. Uh, we'll have GM sitting there, um, basically handing out the uh, combat medic skins that we have, which are, in my opinion, probably some of the coolest uh, skins we've uh, ever released, uh, as well as some uh, cool vanity items that uh, some of the GMs uh, designed. Uh, we had a brainstorming session about that and just kind of like, okay, what you know, what is our kind of sense of humor and uh, how can we implement that into the game? Uh, we've had the two uh, fleets with uh, Bjornby. Uh, one of them was kind of a fail fit uh, fleet just to see how quickly we would die. And... Uh, then the second time around, we um, had a more cohesive uh, fleet composition and uh, actually uh, got some good fights and didn't just die horribly, you know, five minutes in. Uh, on top of that, we've, you know, we've had some uh, art competitions. We've done like uh, best uh, poems, uh, some MS Paint art, and uh, we're looking at the uh, who's going to win the uh, art competition that we announced uh, during the beginning. Uh, got some really cool pictures coming in there. And then we get to uh, rename a GM, which in this case is me, uh, to what is <laughs> essentially a uh, player choice uh, community voted name, uh, which, you know, at the time of uh, doing this, we thought it was a great idea, but uh, I've been having some second thoughts about it uh, lately. <laughs> what, what have they picked for you? So right now, uh, the competition is still, or like the vote is still going. Uh, right now, GM Socket Closed is in the lead uh, by a significant margin. I highly doubt that anything will overtake it. Uh, oh, no. um, so it looks like I'll be uh, receiving a very ironic name uh, when I'm supposed to be uh, there helping players. And I, will be I like this name by GM Socket Closed. I like this name by Sizok here in chat. He says, GM, great hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fitting. He has great hair. Yeah. Well, socket close refers to um, what happens when you get disconnected from a game. And so that's an inside joke for EVE players because there have been a lot of disconnects when these huge battles of uh, 4,000 players or more uh, happen. A, a lot of people get disconnected. Yeah, but that's uh, due to uh, different reasons. Uh, there, the socket closed message is um, honestly, uh, it, it's really vague. Um, the perception is that um, socket closed immediately means that our servers are at fault. Um, unfortunately, just due to how the internet works, uh, this is more of a uh, connection issue somewhere between your client uh, and your computer and our servers. Uh, they're really difficult to diagnose, um, almost impossible, uh, because the cause of this connection could be anywhere. I mean, and it, in a lot of cases, is not going to be either, you know, 
the CCP server's fault or the players. I mean, it's just uh, this thing that is just unavoidable when it comes to any network kind of uh, gaming. I mean, you will experience this in other games, and it's just even a bit sensitive to a uh, uh, unstable connections. Um, it's just a really unfortunate thing, and uh, you know, if, if we had some silver bullet that we, you know, could use to fix it, then of course we would have done that a long time ago. I mean, this is just as annoying for us that is as it is for the players when it happens to them. Yeah, I've heard something about the sixty-four bit client might help because it's uh, it's it's clients running out of RAM. I think after three point something RAM being taken up by the game, uh, it, it's more likely that your socket will close or something like that. But no, the uh, yeah, that's the other like part of this. The uh, regarding the fleet fights, the most common cause of client crashes and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, I would say not officially. I think this is just kind of my understanding of it, uh, based on what I'm reading and gathering from players and stuff. Um, is yeah, the client is running out of um, memory, and the client itself crashes. But you know, you, you still have a connection to the server itself. Uh, this is not the server. Uh, uh, nodes or the system being overloaded per se, uh, but a lot of the uh, common uh, crashes that people are encountering in fleet fights are because the Eve client um, relies on well, it's a 32-bit uh, program. It has only access to I think about 3.7 gigs of memory, and you know when you're loading just like thousands of things on grid, then you know bad things can happen. I mean, it's something we're very aware of and uh mm. the only suggestion that i really have is that you know people just disable every single effect and uh, uh their sound for example just anything they really don't need to rely on uh for the uh fight itself i mean i understand there are some effects that they may want to have but uh, uh this will at least you know i wouldn't say guarantee but it will definitely help with uh general performance of the clients yeah, I mean, there is an optimization. I think you can in graphics you can optimize for memory. I imagine that yes. would be the the way to go before a fight. So make sure you're optimized for memory, and that cleans everything off for you. Yeah, that is uh, one way to uh, do it. Um, I saw a couple. Uh, the um, there were a couple of guys on Reddit who uh, wrote up like ex, you know extensive reports on basically, hey, here is uh, things that I've noticed uh, would help with uh, client performance. Um, I would definitely recommend that people, you know, dig that up and, um, you know, give it a read because there's some good information in there. Um, yeah. Well, um, so what are some of the highlights this week, though, of uh, some just goofy stuff that's happened with players? Is there anything that sticks in your mind or is it just too much, too many funny things happening? I definitely would think the uh, the fleets with Bjorn B were a highlight, at least for me. It, it was an absolute blast. I mean, we got some uh, decent memes out of it and... Uh, some good fights. Uh, getting uh, two titans dropped on us was uh, definitely fun. Um, <laughs> Who dropped those? Oh, man, I can't remember. Um, I think it was the Shadow Cartel guys who brought in uh, their Legion fleet with an Apostle. And, but I, I can't remember who brought the titan out, but it scared the shit out of us, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, uh, the scavenger hunt has uh, definitely been uh, fun to do as well. Just interacting with players... Um, you know, in a bunch of different systems, you know, giving people, you know, these skins and they get excited about them. Uh, I decided to go a bit rogue yesterday and uh, started like a massive party in uh, the MR system uh, just to kind of give my name, which I'm very much attached to, uh, kind of a proper, you know, Viking uh, burial 
so to speak. Um, you know, light a fire in a canoe kind of thing. Yeah, except with fireworks and uh, spaceships. But uh, yeah, it, it's been a total blast. I mean, this is definitely something that, that I really would want to do in the future. And I, you know, um, I guess that all just depends on, uh, you know, if the players enjoyed it, if there's uh, kind of a desire to see more of this, then, you know, anything can happen for sure. What was the what was the scavenger hunt uh, about? Like, what were you? How can you get involved with that, or how did you get get people involved in that? Um, sorry, I found out somebody dropped a bunch of weights in a gym. Sorry, <laughs> repeat the <laughs> question. Have a gym? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what? Like how did how did people get involved in the uh, uh, what's it called the uh, just had the treasure hunt? Oh, the scavenger hunt. Uh, scavenger hunt, yeah. Basically, it, it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, what we would do is have a GM go into a random system. Well, we'd have kind of a certain theme for a couple of days. Like, we'd stick to the rookie systems, you know, try and get them to uh, see what's going on. Um, we would then kind of announce on Twitter, like, hey, apparently there's a couple of guys uh, flying around in, uh, you know, the Galante rookie systems and they've got some uh, stuff if you can find them. And then we went to like uh, trade hubs, like, you know, places of interest in EVE, like these landmark places that people, you know, will know through the, you know, just the history of the game. Um, and we just kind of went somewhere in the system. We would, you know, go to a planet or a moon or something and wait for somebody to find us. And uh, uh, we found that going into uh, some more populated systems like Amar or Dodexi or uh, Hack, uh, for example, uh, would start this kind of fun race between the players. They would uh, start <laughs> competing in local, trying to find uh, the GM as fast as possible to get the stuff. And it, 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 it was definitely interesting to do. Wild. And so this is the week. Uh, the, the week is over. Does that mean that this is the last day? Are you going to do anything today? Uh, yeah, this is the last day. Uh, we don't have uh, a lot of uh, GMs on shift today since it's you know it's a Sunday. Uh, I suspect we'll be uh, doing well. We've been doing the uh, scavenger hunt today, um, and of course there are rumors of things happening in July tonight. Um, uh huh. Uh, but yeah, this is generally the last day, and uh, we're just kind of finalizing stuff like the. Uh, the art competition stuff and then uh, I guess we'll be officially announcing my name change tomorrow um, at some point um, do, do you have a favorite that you want people to weigh in and vote for? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am uh, before I you're doomed be un un unbiased in this, I think uh, I read over some of the uh, names there and I'm like, oh boy there, there, there is no you know positive outcome in this at all <laughs> Well, I kind of, I just kind of like, you know, threw in a towel and just said like, all right, do what you have to do. This is fine. That's funny. You've given into it. Yeah. All right. Apothne has something he wanted to ask you. I'm shoving How, him in uh, front of me. Can we get a Blorb update? Like a, like a hashtag <laughs> seed news? Uh, Blorb update. Well, he's uh, really good at waking me up at like ungodly hours in the morning. Um, I was meaning to bring him into the office uh, for some of the GM week stuff, but it's just uh, it's been a bit too hectic, and I honestly just forgot about it. Uh, but he's he's doing good. He's uh, learning how to do skateboard tricks and stuff like that. Um, generally, flying around, trying not to crash into things, but you know, it's he's just doing bird things. For those of us that aren't uh, gifs of uh, CCP Blorb skateboarding through the office. <laughs> For those of us that don't know, can you like tell us who Blorb is? 
Uh, <laughs> Let us in on this. All right. So uh, during the, uh, I think it was the first or second weekend of the Alliance tournament, uh, it was just after my birthday, and uh, I had basically uh, got got myself a uh, little budgie uh, as a present to myself, and I knew that I was going to be working a lot uh, for the next coming weeks. Uh, you know, seven day weeks and whatever. Um, and I didn't want to leave him at home alone too much, where he probably just like lose his mind because he's like young and impressionable, and uh, you know these are like <laughs> the important periods where he needs to have company. Uh, so I basically just asked CCB Falcon and Fozzie if he was okay if I brought the uh, little guy into the office, and um, one thing led to another, uh, and he appeared on the uh, stream during one of the breaks, and uh, well, Twitch chat seemed to love. Uh, seeing him so it just kind of like snowballed from there and now he's got his own like twitter account and i don't know what it's uh it's been a blast uh, i imagine this is a little puppy or or is it a child <laughs> sorry if i confuse that uh, it's a bird it's like a little oh, budgy pirate thing yeah oh okay that's great so he's got a fan a fan uh, following yeah people seem to uh, love his shenanigans which of you two has more followers on twitter I still do for now. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Oh, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll post his. Uh, well, we're going to help him by yeah. posting his Twitter account. Get, get him some fans from here. All right, cool. Uh, now, now, GM, this is GM Week. We're celebrating you guys, uh, with, and you guys are celebrating us with some events, and it's been a lot of fun for a lot of people. Um, what is it like, though, after this week, during the year? What's it like being a GM? Uh, you know, after this week, we'll be like, all right, uh, this is over. Let's uh, clean up the queue, kind of, you know, catch up on the day-to-day activities. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of immediate uh, follow-up. Um, after that, you know, it's uh, mostly just business as usual. Uh, we will be answering tickets, uh, liaising with the um, with the dev teams about upcoming features and changes they want to make. Uh, we'll be kind of reporting bugs or, you know, player concerns to them directly, making sure that we can support the feature uh, properly. Uh, we are in this kind of overhauling phase uh, with one team uh, t- uh, regarding the help center we have and just internal policies and stuff like that and procedures. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, you know, we're going to be basically just going back to the, the normal, like, surprisingly varied tasks that we have um mm-hmm. as a gm uh of course we got the uh csm summit coming up we'll be talking to them about uh some things you know which uh concern the uh the gms and like the support that we are offering um so yeah it's that tickets and a bunch of other small things mm-hmm. and you live in iceland looks like or are you just visiting right now oh i live in iceland yeah are all the GMs in Iceland too? Uh, no, uh, we have the GM department is kind of split up into two. Um, we have guys in here in Reykjavik, and then we also have some uh, guys in uh, Argentina. Uh, they are a really mm-hmm. solid uh, group of people. I honestly do not know where we would be without them. So I just kind of want to give a shout out to them if any of them are watching. Uh, they really do deserve a lot of praise. They uh, help us out immensely. Uh, this, uh, despite, you know, you'd have these kind of like 
I don't know, a perception or like this stereotype that, oh, uh, third party uh, uh, support is not as good, but honestly, they do a kick-ass job and they uh, honestly just, yeah, I cannot praise them enough. Um, I just, yeah, I can't find the words to uh, <laughs> do that. <laughs> well, my wife's Argentinian, so I could throw a bunch of slang at them, uh, but it probably is, <laughs> would be offensive and I wouldn't know it. Uh, but it, that's awesome. Argentina has uh, got some EVE GMs. I've always yeah. wondered why... There hasn't been localization for Spanish. I guess there's not enough will, but there's 400 million Spanish speakers. And we've seen it's, some like tear-jerking stories of players that use dictionaries to translate, you know, so they can play this game. Yeah, it's uh, honestly not something that I can really uh, dive into. I mean, yeah. uh, we are aware of the, uh, like, the desire for a Spanish client. Um, and honestly, I, I, I'm not the one who would be making that decision nor... Uh, Sure. Have any uh, say in it? So, uh, well, we'll have the new executive producer on in a week or two, and we'll ask him. Uh, yeah, this is probably around. a question better suited for them. Um, right. But it's uh, yeah, the guys over in Argentina are great. We, uh, you know, it's uh, despite being some what is it, nine or eleven thousand kilometers apart or whatever. Uh, it's a uh, very tight knit group. Uh, we will go over. Uh, Sent a few GMs over uh, both ways for fan fest and general training stuff. I mean, um, it's uh, a lot of fun and uh, a lot of good guys there. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, listen, thanks for spending some time with us and, uh, and and getting us caught up on GM Week. Will this happen next week, next year too? Maybe. Or, or more Maybe. often. Uh, like we will see. Uh, we're gonna kind of like evaluate the whole thing uh, after Jimmy has uh, finished and kind of, you know, let the dust settle a bit and then we'll have a discussion and see how we want to go forward with this. But I think the general sentiment is good based on what I've been seeing. Yeah. All right. Cool. And will these bot executions in high sec continue even if there is no GM week? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. All right. I, I'm not the one to make that uh, make that decision either. Well, thanks, Spider. I get to still call you Spider until, I guess, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. For your name will change to something else. Greatly appreciate it. <laughs> so if you guys can save them by voting in that, how do they vote? How do people participate in that? Or is it over? Uh, it's on Reddit. Um, you can basically just upvote the uh, comment with a name that you like the most. Um, I have a feeling that this is uh, going to backfire horribly and uh, Socket Close will just get more votes, but we will see. Maybe, uh, but yeah, it's a pinned announcement on the uh, R Eve uh, subreddit. So, oh, well, we have like two fifty, two hundred fifty live viewers go there and save them from closed socket. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot. We really appreciate you coming by. Good luck uh, today, and uh, good luck in the future with uh, all the GM stuff that you have to do. I hear that you guys get hammered sometimes with the amount of requests, especially after oh, I don't know, like a patch and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Uh, it's getting better for sure. Um, but there have been the occasional like, oh boy, we're just going to have to do a crunch week, uh, you know, and just encourage everyone to just work as much as they can because uh, there have been the occasional expansion that just broke things. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, it's uh, it's definitely, I, I don't recall that happening like recently. Uh, We've been oh. uh, blessed with some uh, smooth um, expansions lately. 
Well, I don't know. For, for Re- the most part. Yeah. Recently, you have Aura, who just won't go away. Uh, which yeah. Is kind of uh, if if that is the fun. biggest issue that will come out of an expansion, then uh, call me happy. <laughs> That's nothing. All right. Well, there's another one. The uh, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but the buy all feature when you're shopping, at least for skill books, used to be there. You could buy all the skill books involved in getting you into that ship, which I thought was a really cool shortcut. And that seems to be gone. Is buy all like missing interesting if it not i'm going to send you a ticket yeah yeah it is uh, i'll find a bug report on that actually if it's uh that would be the best or, or yeah a bug report you're right i think uh, ccp goliath would greatly appreciate that yeah i think i've just said it uh publicly in tis but i'll, I'll write a ticket and it's still, so you don't get bug reports you just get what's your position at ccp what do you do you arbitrate between players and uh, in uh, certain uh, situations so we have like two systems, um, and it does happen that they get mixed up a bit. Um, so you have the bug reporting system, which is basically like, hey, this thing in the game doesn't work. Like, oh, this graphics texture is looking weird, or you know, uh, a feature is missing, or you know, a bug. Essentially, uh, they will go directly to the uh, quality assurance guys, and they will, you know figure out what is causing it, fix it, and so on. Uh, the Game Masters, however, we handle uh, support tickets. Uh, and this is general stuff like uh, payment issues, uh, you know, some problem with your Plex or, you know, whatever, uh, ship reimbursement requests, uh, general guidance and assistance, uh, technical problems. Um, if you, you know, your client all of a sudden doesn't load and you're not qu- quite sure why or the launcher isn't downloading the latest update or, you know, your computer just all of a sudden blew up when you try to press play on the, uh, in the launcher, which hasn't actually happened, but uh, <laughs> we've seen a lot of varied stuff for sure. Um, so yeah, we're generally there to help, uh, with kind of the live game to, uh, kind of help, uh, the players, you know, just to ensure that they can, for the most part, just enjoy the game, uh, with the exception to when, you know, oh, this is actually something that, uh, will require a developer to fix. Um, I think that is the best distinction between it. Like internally, is it something that developer can fix or is it something that, you know, I can quickly address on my end um yeah well thanks again spider really appreciate it yep thanks for having Uh, me guys sure in this last segment we'll talk about the alliance tournament which just wrapped up apothne uh you were there suetonia i'm sure you were watching or were participating were you in hydra or vidra i wasn't participating i was a commentator though sorry Mm, i was actually a referee there so i might actually still be relevant here oh yeah you're Let's talk Alliance Tournament, Apothne. Yeah, so um, really awesome tournament this year. Um, Vidra become the third ever team to win uh, more than one gold medal. So they join Banner Brothers, who have three, um, Pandemic Legion have six, and Vidra now have two golds. Um, so that's kind of a, a fairly historic moment. Um, the meta was really cool. There was a ton of different viable archetypes. Um, yeah, it was a really fantastic tournament. Obviously, it would have been a lot better if we just had more teams, if we'd been able to run a feed around. But that's basically me just saying the AT was so good. I just want there to be more AT to go around for everyone. Yeah, dinner was so good that just weren't enough people eating. That's a waste. Um, 
So uh, what was it like then? Uh, do you guys tell me about the Lions tournament? What was it like this year compared to other years? Oh, well, the biggest change, I think, obviously, was um, the move from CCP production to Eventy production. In the uh, and that's a process that's been happening over the last um, the last three years. So for eighty fourteen, Eventy handled the production for the first of three weekends. Um, for last year, Eventy handled the first two weekends and the feeders, and then CCP did the usual fly commentators out twice and for the final two weekends. But this year, it was all on Eventy. We ran the whole thing, and then to make things even more complicated, we had a finals party on the final day. So literally two doors away from the main TV studio, there was a huge party with lots of nerds and especially TikTok getting really, really wasted, um, which added kind of a whole extra level of chaos into the mix. He, he's really strong though, don't worry. At least that's what he was saying for the last two hours. I uh, I am not cool with loading people up with alcohol. Like this is very counterculture, but um, I I wouldn't make a good Icelander. Let me put it that way. I'm not a drinker. <laughs> so what was it like being a ref, Spider? Uh, honestly, uh, based on you know I, I've been working on these tournaments for years uh, behind the scenes. This was, as far as I'm concerned, the smoothest run one. Uh, we didn't have any major issues, no delays, nothing broke like catastrophically. Just it went really well. Um, and you know, all the FCs that we were speaking to, uh, they you know were on the top of their game, you know, ready with everything. It was just a really smooth experience, uh, for yeah, like 99.9% of the time. One of the so things what, I so, really like, oh, sorry, pardon me. So, what I'm getting is that the other alliance tournaments were disasters. <laughs> No, it's no, no, no. Uh, I'm just kidding. It, it's it was you know we had some fires to put out. We had some like moments that were scary. You know we've had these you know multi-hour delays and stuff like that. It's uh it's uh you know some things have come up in the past that just we didn't experience at all uh, with this one. Um, it just worked like a well-oiled machine, and that was really cool to uh, see happen. Nice job, Patni. Go ahead, I cut you off. What were you going to say, Parthi? Yeah, uh, I was just going to say that one of the things I really enjoyed this year is just the quality of all the teams. So I'm sure Sutroni can back me off on this. Like uh, back when the Alliance tournaments were in the single digits, there were basically three or four teams that were good and would win the tournament, and everyone else was just absolute trash. Like they were just bad. Um, I mean, uh, they only. There only used to be three good teams in like from Alliance Tournament eight to about Alliance Tournament ten, I would say. And that was a Pan PL Hydra and Dark Side. Yeah. Yeah. What we saw um say about four years ago is there were one or two teams that kind of like joined that top tier of guys who could compete, and then everyone else was trash. Then as of two-ish years ago, we had this really strong undercurrent of teams who weren't necessarily tournament winners, but made the second and third weekends far more entertaining and far less clowny. One of the things that helped that a lot were the feeders last year, because it just meant that there's so much filtering of who was actually good getting into the main tournament. But I feel like the a lot of my favorite matches this year, instead of just being the final weekend, seeing the absolute best teams fight each other, it was like the end of the second weekend and then most of the third weekend, where you had a ton of teams who were just legit strong teams that can bring good matches against absolutely anyone. 
and then have that kind of variety and that flavor of all the different teams and of the comps and styles they bring. Like, I, I really like how kind of the, the middle of the pack is so much stronger than it used to be. That's a good place to be. Do you think, uh, well, first of all, do you think there'll be another Alliance tournament? Do you, and I know that's heresy to say that, but do you think there will be, um, I don't know, better communication from C- CP to make it uh, more to have more participation this year? Do you think it's going to improve, basically? Yeah, I mean, I'd say I think obviously losing losing Logiro was a big step back. And kind of this year has been kind of like um, refiguring out how the tournament happens in um, kind of the new world we find ourselves in. So it's kind of like um, we took a few steps back and we're kind of retaking those steps forward. But I think um, CCP and, and the guys over on that side have kind of now really figured out um, how to run the tournament in the new structure they have over there. And obviously handing a lot more over it to Eventy helps a lot with that. And I think that next year, um, without the worry about um, kind of like communication of when the tournament's going to happen, if it's going to happen, issues about Thunderdome existing or not, issues about there was initially worry about prize ships. I think there was a lot of like worry and uncertainty about the Alliance tournament this year. And that naturally led to fewer teams being interested in applying and devoting themselves to it. Whereas now that we've seen a really fucking awesome tournament this year and that CCP are still really on their game, I anticipate a lot more interest in teams getting involved from the early stages next year so a transition year i guess yes sorry i have to cover my camera because my girlfriend's going to the bathroom yeah well uh cover the camera there uh Setonia, being a part of uh, alliance tournament as a as a commentator what was that like oh it's uh, it's pretty fun actually sometimes it's a uh, it's a lot more fun actually uh like being but just being behind the camera than playing in the matches because uh one of the things that was actually really awkward i think you might remember this apophony is uh, the first weekend you were asking me if the chameleon was good in 8015, and obviously that was part of one of Hydra's comps. Yeah. I had to, yeah, you have that like nervous thing like, do I say the truth or do I misdirect to something? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I find with that is that you say that in an ECM comp, obviously it's very strong and you don't speak to the meta, but that, that is a really hard thing for anyone who's on like a, a, one of the better teams and has a lot of AT knowledge is that you don't want to give away your secret plans. And the way I get around to that is just by still being really dumb and not knowing what the secret plans are. So I can kind of skirt that problem unlike people like Sutoni who really know what's going on. Wow. Meta at the announcer level. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, Sephoy, do you have a question about other tournaments? Oh, I just wanted to bring up that it's great to have the Alliance tournament going on once a year, but I personally am a big fan of like the Eventy and the Anger Games and the other smaller tournaments that happen during the year. Uh, do you get to ref those, Spider, or is it just the Alliance tournament? Uh, no, those are entirely uh, run by, uh, well, not CCP. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the only tournament really really have uh, run uh, is the Alliance tournament and stuff like the Amara Championships and the uh, what is it called? Did a couple of these like a few years back. Cup. Uh, the New Eden Open. Um, those were yeah uh, primarily run by CCB, but uh, yeah, the transition over to Event is something that I really uh, like seeing. Um, and of course, that might open up potential for more smaller tournaments aside from the Alliance tournament. Uh, but you know, we will see. Oh, that's good. So you guys are kind of happy with how it went? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, of course, this is like all still uh, like super early. Uh, we're 
having a discussion about this, I guess you could say. Uh, we're kind of seeing how we can go forward with this. Um, but generally, after this tournament, uh, there, there are certainly things that we uh, could improve. Uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback about various things that we uh, you know, definitely will need to address. But uh, the general sentiment is good, for sure. Now, Apothne, one of the criticisms I've had in the past is that the tournament doesn't feel tied to the game, uh, yet the ships get to come into the game. And you said, like, that's the job of the announcer, you astutely said. And Yeah, that, I mean... Did that I happen? Think, I, I, I think, yeah, it is, it's super tied to the game because there's a lot of pride and the alliances inside the tournament are obviously real alliances inside the game. Um, and one of the things you've got to remember is that uh, a case of perspective. So like, um, you're like very much interested in the NullSec politics side of the game. And that means that there are a bunch of alliances in the Alliance tournament that you've never heard of because you do not need to be a huge coalition that everyone's heard of to have a good alliance tournament team. Whereas a lot of the time on Tranquility, in order to make a name for yourself and to be known and feel part of that narrative, you need to have this huge kind of impact on Sov or, or something of that scale. And it gives these smaller groups of pilots who might be very skilled and might be really into the game a chance to make a name for themselves, and it produces its own narrative. And then the title of the game is obviously that Firstly, the games take place on Tranquility. All the ships that are lost are lost in game. And funding an Alliance tournament team, that is a significant amount of money that has to come from somewhere. So the economics and the logistics and all that kind of stuff are all absolutely integral uh, and important parts of the game. And, you know, like uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of bragging rights and it's a lot of morale as well. If your team does really well or does really poorly, it can result in a glut of people trying to join your alliance. Yeah. Uh, even if not for the alliance tournament, they just think, hey, this is a cool alliance I've now heard of because of the alliance tournament. Or if you're a previously good team that does trash, not that I can think of any alliances like that, you might, uh, you might lose Surely some people. <laughs> the recruitment thing, I think, is huge. Like that was one of the. One of the bigger takeaways was like if you did well in the alliance tournament, then you had a reputation inside of Eve Online that you could then leverage to, you know, ha attract better players that were like, yeah, I saw how well you did in the tournament, so you guys must be pretty good. I want to join you guys. Yeah, I mean, PL has always had that kind of like that dual reputation, right? So in previous years, PL were known for two things: being this big, badass, scary group bunch of super capitals that would drop on any part of the universe before Phoebe hit, and also that you know they would win at eighty after eighty after eighty. Um, so kind of th those were two of the big um, kind of like notorious things about PL. Yeah, and it looks like NC kind of took that this year, along with, of course, Triumvirate, who did really well. Yeah, try are a wonderful case uh, in, in proving that it is absolutely not necessary for you to have a crap ton of AT experience and a stash full of AT ships in order to do well. So they came third, they came second to Hydra and Vidra, and they beat and got through tons of teams that have extensive alliance caches of alliance tournament ships that have a ton more experience than they do their captain was a first time captain a bunch of their dudes had been maybe in one or two tournaments before and it's a really nice case in point to kind of show the people who say ah you can't get you know you'll automatically lose to a team with 80 ships obviously having the previous prize ships are massively helpful and if you have the money you can still buy them um but yeah um, I, I think Try is kind of like my personal hero team from this tournament. Yeah, I think another cool thing about Try too is that they only really bought like a variation of one comp generally in the AT. 
but they just flew it like the best out of anyone, I think. And it just goes to show that you don't need like a super deep pool of setups if you just know how to leverage your bands, right? And you just like fly this setup the best that you can, then you can still probably, you know, take take prize ships in the Alliance tournament. There were a lot of uh, execution-based teams that are very similar to try in the past. Like, for example, the Tuskers won 80-14. And uh, Exodus came in uh, third place, I think, in 80-11, which was also another sort of team that maybe doesn't have great experience or a, a whole load of setups, but they just flew you know, almost as well as uh, PL and Hydra, if not maybe even better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one another great thing about the AT is that you have teams who are very strong at different areas. It's not just one thing you need to be good at in the AT. Um, you know, it's it's some teams are really good at meta and just have really amazing theory crafting. Some teams have a ton of comps, so you never know what you're fighting. And there are some teams that you kind of know what they're going to bring. And even if you ban it to make it weaker, they're just so good at it and they know how to fly it so well that regardless of what you do, you're just kind of going to die. And that's what Triumvirate was this year. Yeah. Yeah. I always go back to RUR uh, taking on uh, PL and almost winning. Yeah, and RUR was uh, Hun Reloaded. Uh, All other tournaments, they're known as Hun Reloaded. And Hun were actually one of those teams who they typically brought very on-meta standard things, but they kind of just did it better than everyone else, and they always did really, really well. Yeah, Hun Reloaded, um, I think, went on. Their team went on to join Nelly Segunda. And I think some of those guys in Nelly Segunda ended up in NC. NC seems to be doing really well under Nittis Bar, uh, a German FC. Very quiet guy, but very talented with the uh, doctrine theories and stuff like that. Uh, and they yeah, came in fourth this NC year. NC are a great team. They've had um, a bunch of really good AT pilots join them. Uh, they've gained access to a nice big stash of AT ships that always helps. And it's just having a dedicated team that's working together and pushing their strengths year on year as a, as a process that makes a really good team. Like it's, it's very incredibly difficult to have a brand new team and automatically win. But if you keep plugging at it after just a couple of years, and, and you really have keep that core of people going and getting stronger, then you very quickly can become a very serious threat in the tournament. Yeah, and uh, NC Dot has, has came fourth place in the past three years, so they're definitely really consistently getting prize ships, which is uh, a strong hallmark of a good team. I know uh, before Hy- well, Hydra won 89, but really what sort of... Uh, made Hydra transition from sort of just, you know, good pilots on TQ with maybe someone who knew what they were doing as in Gobbins to like dedicated super serious tournament team was like getting second place in ATA. I think oh. uh, going back to what Apophony was talking about, about uh, sort of unknown teams getting boosted up, uh, boosted up in terms of notoriety. I think a good example of that would be funny enough, Temp- Templis Kalsef. Um, last AT, they uh, did a massive upset victory. And um, a lot of people, they went into that tournament with a lot of people saying, well, they're Kadari role-playing team. They're not going to get far. And then they pull a huge upset in the first round. Yeah, like you guys could have killed Hydra and then just gone 0-2 for the rest of the tournament. And you would be a huge name in the history of the tournament just for beating Hydra. I mean, they still kind of are. I mean, Templis this year as well has been sort of one of the, I think, one of the favorite teams, especially going up into their match. I think the the match that we were all most excited for on day two was uh, Templis versus Pandemic Legion to see if it would be like a repeat of uh, the giant slaying. 
Yeah, especially because um, a few guys from the Hydra team last year, like Casper, moved over to the BL team. So it was kind of like Tempest were just like chasing Casper to knock him out of the tournament every year. I, th- I think it was it was pretty funny the way that, that obviously obviously people know who Tempest are, where they come from, and, that, and they they expected him to be this sort of Kadari first time AT people. I mean, last year that is, uh, and not to get very far. But the thing is, is obviously. Templates are a very good, very good alliance, and and their FC, the last Spartan, it's been very good. And the two years I've known S- um, the last Spartan, he has been probably one of the top FCs in the militia. Now, obviously, in the AT, and to me, seeing those guys get into the top eight this year, doing that upset victory last year, wasn't really a surprise to me at all. But um, it just made me. It was humorous to me the way, obviously, the commentators and and the community at large reacted to that. As if it was something like, well, they're faction warfare guys. How can they do this? Ah, uh, the underestimated again. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks guys for getting us up to speed on the tournament. Uh, we didn't go over all the doctrines and statistics and wins and all that kind of stuff, but I think uh, for the fans of TIS, they, you know, getting more intrigued in the alliance tournament because of uh, the larger scope things is probably the probably a bit better for, for their consumption. But um, what, but if you wanted to hear the statistics and who won and the brackets and all that, there are other podcasts that do that, uh, our, our brothers and other podcasts. So go ahead and listen to their shows on all that. And you had a wrap-up show, right, Apothne? I saw that the other night. Did we? Yeah, yeah we had the, uh, a fight, like a AT wrap-up yesterday with uh, Elise hosting it. Jim yeah. Spider was uh, there too. Yep. <laughs> Oh, cool. Everywhere these days. <laughs> All right. You guys never invite me to these things. Oh, sorry, dude. I just sorry to break it to you, buddy. Um, all right, we we got to let GM Spider get get back to uh, all the shenanigans that they're doing the GMs uh, this week as they finish up GM week. We're very happy to have him on uh, today. Uh, and I want to say one last thing. The uh, last week we went to watch the. It was last week, wasn't it? It's been it's such a long time ago. We went to, or was it two weeks ago? The tournament ended. Uh, it was last week. It was, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Time's moving in really weird ways. But uh, yeah, we had Gobbins, Lady Scarlet. Um, uh, we all went to Carneros' party they threw. It was an Alliance tournament viewing party. And uh, we also had... Um, oh, Kenneth Kenneth from uh, PL uh, there. He flew all the way in from South Carolina to, to watch that tournament with uh, those guys. I thought that was really cool. Um, but it was really neat to talk to all these guys, and there was a lot of other people there too. Uh, we sent some pictures, um, and we'll post those. What a great party! Uh, so thanks to Carneros, couldn't be here today. Okay, thanks very much, uh, Corvus. Uh, thanks, Safoy, of course, Apothne, uh, Sutonia. Thank you guys for showing up today. Uh, we'll be back next week with more of Eve Online. We'll get back to Nullsec to see what's going on there, um, and. And we will uh, go ahead and wrap the show up and see you next time on Talking In Stations.